Okay, welcome everyone to one of our bonus episodes for for our uh, patrons. I am Kyle Beachy, and I'm here with um, who? Who are you? I'm Ted Schmitz. Oh, it's one Ted of the two Schmitz. Ted's. Uh, we are recording right now at noon central time on October 3rd, 2019, which means um, that it's 10 a.m. Pacific, which means that it's been one hour since Mark Suchu's Versu, Verso part hit. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to avoid saying dropped. Uh, hit the airwaves, was released, enter, yes. entered the world. Um, how you feel about it, Ted? You feeling okay? I feel like a weight, a small amount of weight has been lifted because until now it's only been you and me in this small bubble. And uh, now I can sort of share the only thing I've been thinking about for two weeks with everybody. Um, I am even, even this morning, I don't know why I clicked play on the Thrasher page and was once again kind of brought to a, a sort of bliss by the first notes of that Beirut song that melodica the melodica comes it is and it's the melodica yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. triumphant it is it's like here we are the thing the thing yeah. we've been waiting for which you know I don't know about you but I was just absolutely drunk with power for the last however long <laughs> I've had this link I've just been feel, I, I've never felt more um, alive I've never felt farther from death I certainly have have never had such power at my fingertips, and it was then to be an insider with the Verso link. It was exhilarating. <laughs> it was something. It was funny because when you know I had to do a fair amount of uh, convincing with Justin Albert, the filmmaker. You know, he wasn't. I don't think they were super down to share it as early as kind of they did. Um, yeah. So one of the things I sort of need needed to do was kind of convince him, like, look, man, I. And, and, and kind of the sell I gave him was, look, I, I am going to revel so much more in not sharing this than I ever would in leaking it. Like leaking yeah. it dissolves all of my specialness and power. Why would I want to leak it? Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what convinced him. I was like, look, I'm kind of a prick and I'm going to love having this to myself. And uh, but, and you you watched it some 20 some odd times, right? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I, I just saw the view count from from my last visit it was 20 i watched it 28 times so um yeah and i got it from um some folks at thrasher were nice enough to share it to help me write a thing about it and hopefully that comes out um so the writer's connection is the way to get in the right yeah this is this is the only perk the only perk there is of being a writer yeah. is is this sort of thing uh yeah. so all right it's probably safe to say that at this point right now one hour after the part you and i have maybe watched this as mo as as many times as maybe five or six other people alive um <laughs> yeah. which is either you know a badge of confidence or a thing of great and total earth-shaking shame um so yeah. We're going to talk about Mark Suchu and we're going to talk about Verso uh, and we're going to we're going to attempt to sort of maybe live commentate it. Uh, but before we do that, we should probably catch up on a little bit of the background sort of research that I imagine you did, because I know that I dived deep into Mark's career, um, including some and, you know, shout out to Low Impact Max for um, being my sort of go-to resource for this because for Max, Mark was like a, uh, he was like a sort of contemporary kind of hero, you know, like Max is young enough that Mark Suchi Baited, wasn't yeah. like this kid who just appeared out of nowhere like he was for me. Yeah. Um, so what is the first time that you remember hearing about him? Um, and, and 
if we could get ourselves up to eventually sort of cross continental, which was the big thing that came out. Like, did you, were you aware of him or interested in him before cross continental? Yeah, I, I was friends with him before that. Um, so in, t uh, 2009, um, 2010, um, I worked at Woodward with a friend of mine named Jazz Lieb, who you met at Pushing Borders. Um, and Jazz is in Verso. Oh, and, of course. Uh, yeah, Mark was, uh, I, maybe he was a camper a few years before that, but uh, he had come with a team, was like a visiting skater. And so he just ended up skating with Jazz, and I was always skating with Jazz. So, so that next year, 2011, Mark, Jazz, and um, two other dudes from the Bay, while Mark was doing a road trip, for this sort of tour de force part, they had come through Arizona. Didn't film any tricks, but they stayed about 100 feet of where I am right now in my 500 square foot studio apartment. They, Four of them stayed in there with me and my dog. And <laughs> two weeks after they had come, um, Mark had sent me a very nice note thanking me for the hospitality. And so um, I've always felt that he's a, a total sweetheart. He's a gem. Um, and I... But even then, having skated with him quite a few times, um, and I had been up to San Francisco to skate with him, when Cross Continental came out, I was floored. Like, it was just unimaginable that a sort of person so young in their career could do something so full-bodied, you know? So, like, so at that point, Cross Continental seemed incredibly broad in scope. Yeah. Now it signed up. Now, now after Verso, maybe it looks a little... Um, yeah, yeah. It's it looks a little elementary compared to his current evolution, but it's certainly like like Verso Junior or right like it's the mm -hmm. er, er Verso. It definitely is. You can see a real lineage, right? I mean, yes, in, it's broken up into. I mean, are there two tra there are two songs in at least two, maybe three yes, songs in Cross Continental. There's a Beirut song and there's an Elliot Smith song, right? And then I can't. Yeah, so I think the end it ends on the Elliot Smith song. Um, my brain is just only Beirut Air, La Femme, and Beirut right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so Cross Continental, I mean, in retrospect now, like, this is the weird thing that, of course, like, new contemporary sort of work does is it makes the old work seem like, oh, obviously that was leading up to this. Leading, yeah. But it really seemed like a, a part that could have no payoff, right? Right, right. You mean the new <laughs> one? You mean Verso? No, I mean cross continental because he went pro after it, yeah, right? Yeah. And then and then sort of it seemed like doomed to have a sophomore slump or something yeah. that because of the way skate parts were going and I know that I had bummed him out once uh, just a few months ago telling him that you know, he said he was a little frustrated with Verso because he really wanted to get the ender which closes off the sequential right. um uh segment. Yep. And and I was like, yeah, you, you really should get that, because if you don't, then you never will, because skate parts aren't a thing anymore. And you started it with Cross Continental, so you should be the one to finish it. Totally. Uh, and uh, that's interesting. That's that is interesting that Cross Continental does. I mean, that was very, very late 2011. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I always think of Austin Gillette's part, which came out in 2012, um, probably because they had sort of similar marketing behind them in terms of both being habitat things and having this yep. sort of Kestrucci graphics and all that. Um, yeah, but it was, it was a totally different thing, right? Like it, yeah. for as much as I loved, uh, 
what was that one called? Austin Unlimited. I, as much as I love that part, it was very, it was a totally different sort of object. And I think what Verso does is it makes clear just sort of what sort of thing Mark Sucho has been working to through his parts, right? I mean, it, it definitely yeah. has that kind of, um, this is this is the full expression of the thing that he's been trying to do and wanted to do and yeah. apparently spent the last two years doing. Um, but before we get ahead of ourselves, the other thing that's interesting about Cross Continental is that at the end of that, he basically had that period of residency in Philly. Yes. And one of the rad things that I got to do when I was doing this sort of research for uh, writing about Verso was talk to Brian Panabianco, who filmed him once he showed up in Philly. Um, and I got all sorts of really, really wonderful. First of all, uh, props to Brian for being willing to talk about this stuff uh, and being so generous with his time. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, my first question was like, what did people at Love Park think when this kid rolled up and was suddenly like, hey, I'd like to be down. Um, and according to Brian, it was like <laughs> fairly chill. It was fairly yeah. like kind of an organic sort of thing. He wasn't, you know, it was it wasn't like outsider tourist shows up and tries to show everyone up. It was more just sort of like he kind of was super respectful and, and ingratiated himself into a scene that he respected. Yeah. And then, you know, it's when someone is that good, it's sort of hard to be like, no, nah, man, you got to go or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Sabotage 3 section was, according to Brian, it just was like otherworldly level of skating that like he yes. as he described it he was just sort of during cross continental he sort of figured out what he would be able to do and then in sabotage three he just sort of flexed all of those things he was realizing his body was changing it was becoming like fully grown adulty um yeah and he just shut it down i mean he just shut the place down totally yeah that's one of the the if if you were being an asshole looking for things to fault. Um, that that is one of sort of the the, the one things that 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 uh, you're immediately aware of that causes a sort of distance, which is in cross continental. Mark is very small. Yeah, he is a little guy. He is now f he's full bodied. He's a little heavier, and he's a little more like set in his like his his motions have a sort of more naturalness to them. Um, yeah, you know eight years out yeah um, yeah yeah he's also grown into his pants a little better you know like he's <laughs> it's a little yeah. less obvious that he's wearing pants that one could take issue with i mean yes it, yeah you know not to turn into a fashion podcast but the fact is is he seems to have sort of like pants are important equalized yeah. he's sort of like leveled out a little bit both physically and in terms of his fashion um yeah, that's right. I don't know if you get, went this deep, but I definitely went back. Like I watched him in Street League, uh, it, and like it was a Huntington Street League, um, and then I also watched his like Tampa Am clips from way way back, and he's wearing one of those Sean Malto like beanies with the little ball on top. Yep. So it's you know it's it's always a nice relief to see someone become an adult and like become fully formed and do the sort of shit that he pulled off in. Verso. All right. So you watched it 20 sometimes. I watched it 20 sometimes. You wrote, uh, how would you describe what you wrote about it? What was your project? What were you working for? <laughs> so, uh, so I wrote a, a by the numbers piece. It's a thing that I've only done once, um, which is, it was a Burnett conception, which is to treat a skate part uh, like a sports analysis, but with a sort of 
my take on it, which is to find the funny things and 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 to put some real stats in it and to kind of give I don't want to say a satirical look, but a, a significant amount of energy to to finding humorous ways to think about epic parts. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Um, you know, I spent uh, I don't even know an hour of my life um, calculating the tricks per minute uh, just to see how fast his feet are with the lines. Yeah. Um, and then I calculated Dennis Businitz's in since day one as per Mark's request. And actually, Mark is about two tricks per minute slower. So that kind of kiboshed my point, And I left the Businitz <laughs> back out of it. It's <laughs> the beautiful thing about statistics, man. You could you could tweak them however you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, for the record, uh, Verso, if you're uh, watching the lines, uh, he uh, does tricks so fast that he that. Uh, were it to continue in perpetuity, he would do 23.814 tricks per second. Per second? Per minute. minute. Yeah. Okay. Don't get me. So this is interesting because uh, the first time I ever did any sort of counting of a skate park was when I, uh, a skate part was when I watched um, Nigel Houston. I wrote something in like yep. 2011 about Nigel Houston and it was his, um, God, which part was that? Oh God! Uh, rise and shine. So it was his rise, rise and, and shine, shine part, was the, yeah. and I was basically making the argument that, like, yo, this is a a brutal attack of just like relentless sort of skateboard trickery. Um, yep. And so, w- what it occurred to me, and it sounds like what it occurred to you to do also, is compare Verso to Nigel Houston's most recent part, which is called Till Death. Um, which if people recall that it was, it was one of the most gluttonous Ty Evans productions in the history of Ty Evans. Right. I mean, it's, as I calculated it, there are 71 tricks in that 11 minute video called till death. That means it's almost nine seconds per trick, which is exceptionally yes. slow. Right. I mean, yes. we're looking, but the, there's so many cuts in it though. Yes. So so it plays sort of fast yeah, because each trick is treated as its own moment. Right. And sometimes it's not even a trick. Sometimes it's showing Nigel with his bloody fucking head at the bottom of the Hollywood 16. And we're like in depth, close in 4K resolution watching Nigel bleed. Yeah. And (laughs) there's there's something like... um, I don't know, and and maybe in some parts of my life I'm I'm a little bit about this, but it seems like two people at their craft really trying to prove to you the things that you already know about them, <laughs> like <laughs> like Ty Evans being like, I can make yeah. a skate video that seems as though it plays like a narrative drama, right? And Nyjah is saying. I'm very gnarly at skateboarding. <laughs> uh, so, so, so compare that, compare that 11 minutes to the 1130 of Verso. And, you know, the first thing I noticed, and it's really funny that both of us ended up uh, calculating tricks, but I was doing it for a totally different reason than you, yeah. which we can get into in a second. Um, but he hits, I think I said that he hits 71 tricks at around five and a half minutes. Like it's it's about yeah. halfway through the movie, he's already done as many tricks as Nigel did until death. Which of course, to to say trick here- At that here, point, no slow-mo as well. Well, no slow-mo, but also no like outrageous triple kink 
you know, crooked grind Sonali heels, right? So like there is there is the whole conversation of like to reduce anything down to trick is uh, you know, it is by its nature totally reductive and unfair to yeah. some of the things that Nigel is doing. Um, yeah. But uh, in terms of pace and in terms of rhythm and in terms of how it feels to watch a skateboard movie that's 11 minutes long, uh, Marx is a much more sort of rapid, uh, momentous, sort of propulsive object. It doesn't slow down. It's a lot quicker. It kind of yeah. pulls you forward. Um what else did you find when you you ran these numbers? Well, one of the problems I found with this is that uh, he, there weren't nearly as many flagrant offenses as in uh, <laughs> Nyjah's part. He does a kickflip nose grind, kickflip backside nose grind at South Bank that goes by in one second. Most people are going to forget about it. Yeah. But it is literally, if you want to think about a kickflip nose grind, kickflip backside nose grind, and not like the one that Reynolds did in Baker 3, which has until now been the sort of canonical kickflip mm -hmm. backside nose grind for a short kickflip backside nose grind there is no fault yep. at any point in that trick yep it's like a you know whatever if if we imagine the textbook it's that is a very special thing i agree and you know that that reminds me of the sort of rant or the the tangent he goes on to in his thrasher interview where he talks about perfection right he talks about yes um and that, that interview d deserves to be read by more people. That was with Louis Elliott. And there are times when it's yes. like, like I, I read that interview very closely. And this is before I talked to Mark at all. And I was like, these are the kind of ravings of a madman. I was not totally, I, it was hard to track exactly what was going on. Um, He's hard to translate though. It totally. But when you speak with him, it, it makes a lot more sense, right? Cause you see yeah. that he's coming from a genuine place um, yes. or you can hear kind of, you can hear that he's working through his thoughts and wanting to get it right. Um, yeah. So he has a whole thing in that interview about perfection. He talks about a back nose blunt that Aishad does at um, the the um, the Grotto Lotto, the last sort of contest in Portland mm -hmm. before they shut that place down. And he's like, it's a perfect back nose blunt. And Louis Elliott kind of presses him and he's like, you know, what does it mean? What does it mean to be perfect? And his answer is, yeah. that was a perfect back nose blunt. And it's like, that's it, <laughs> right? There, There is no real way to unpack or describe how it's perfect. But I agree with you, that kickflip... Uh, back nose grind he does at South Bank uh, on the outledge is completely yep. perfect. It is yes. glorious. And 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 I think it's important, like oftentimes I talk about, like, and I've done it on the show many times, that I'll talk about perfect skating as a sort of bland, dry, sort of uh, reduction of skating to a sort of exercise of movement. But I think that th there's, there is something about the quickness of the flip and about, you know, this thing that we call style mm -hmm. that is able to escape what you know uh you know people used to think of like maybe i you know i don't want to say names but you know a certain um tech plan b kind of vision of skating that's yeah. sort of technically able but personally dry right and you know the word that mark would use for that and he would do the gesture you know with his fingers and he'd go taste like tastefulness <laughs> tastefulness yeah. right he'd do the sort of pinched gesture and be like oh it lacks a certain tastefulness um yes but it's it, it it's true and 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 the word you're right that we have used for this forever in skateboarding has been style um which opens up exactly why i spent so much time counting things here um which was 
unlike your purposes, which are fucking hilarious, by the way, but also like it's about quantity. It's about the sort of basic joke that skateboarding should not be quantified. Like, yeah, the the biggest threat to skateboarding, I've said, is the sort of taming it by way of quantifying it and turning it into just what everything else is, which is fodder for analytics and understanding better by way of numbers, um, which you're yes. you're both which doing and I've... poking fun at. Yeah, I think we sort of have a view to to undo that. You know, yeah. Th- Thrasher is not explicitly anti contest gaming, right. but are sort of anti jock. Yeah, <laughs> right, so, right, uh, right. You no, know, that's it. Sounds. I I feel like I'm. I feel like I went from thirty one to thirty nine really fast with that. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that we can still say jock and have it have yeah. it be so loaded with like jock. Um, okay, yeah. so but the reason I was counting was uh, I realized halfway through is like oh man maybe I've been going about this wrong because the whole there's this whole other way of counting and marking which I had never yeah. thought of which is. Um, the task of the poet and the task of those who interact with poetry and want to understand rhythm and meter within verse and how a poem actually moves. Um, And the thing I started realizing was, oh gosh, there's a real way here that if we start looking closely at this part, which is again, precisely what Mark Suchu wants us to do, right? I mean, this is the most, it's not just the most serious part in a long time or maybe ever. It's also the most deliberate and the most like deliberately meticulously organized. What I sort of realized was like, oh man, this could actually pay off. Like thinking in terms of tricks per minute as you did, or, you know, the attention I paid to the, that last two minute section of those 14 tricks and the shape he kind of draws with them, um, really does with a part like this yield a kind of new appreciation and understanding of what he's up to. And I guess the question is, are other people going to do that? Like is it, you know, the other thing I hit on in my article was the sort of heartbreak that Mark describes when he realized that like people weren't getting what he was doing. Uh, Go ahead. No, 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 no. I didn't mean to cut you off. Can, can you read that? Yeah. Um, um it, the, the, the part about the, the, the little private death. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I would love it if you would read that because there is this tendency that you, if, if you, in all sincerity, sort of expose yourself as being self-serious, yep. skateboarding, yep. At, if we can take it to be monolithic, just wants to go to town on you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just it 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 rejects the idea of, um, you know, useless wooden toy is like so it's like we cannot remove it from the lexicon. People think it's so funny and sardonic. I'm like, <laughs> right. But um, but it's but it's true because there's something sort of at the essence of skating, something very unserious. Right. But what's happened is we have a bunch of like fine and fun parts, like you say, with high fives and hugging friends that feel empty and like not fun or right. goofy or to the essence of play. And uh, and so maybe a serious approach actually does get at something that is more worthy of note and not just 
ridicule. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, but the challenge is going to be, of course, that it has to withstand ridicule in order to exist, right? There is no yes. world whereby yes. the serious in skateboarding is not ridiculed. Um, we have gotten pretty good at understanding seriousness in terms of social issues, right? In terms of sort of symptomology, mm -hmm. like skateboarding can offer the, us these opportunities to address uh, inequality to adjust uh, to address representation to address pedagogy and teaching and all of the sort of tools that you know we talk about when we talk about pushing borders stuff but as yeah. an act itself and as a practice itself it remains sort of like isn't it ironic that we're doing all this serious stuff even though we're doing this totally stupid thing when in fact maybe yes. it's not stupid like maybe the, maybe it's not stupid to ride a skateboard like maybe it's actually um potentially meaningful or beautiful should i read these par you want me to just read the one paragraph or two of them i'm looking at it on a different thing i'm looking at the jankum one is this different no no it's the same so the paragraph starts at the end of 2011 it's right after the second big photo in that poll yes. quote okay yes yeah, could you read that? Um... Sure, yeah. So at the end of 2011, you put out what's the first defining part of your career and the people love it. They croak and clap and speak in great hyperboles about melting faces and shitted pants. A few don't like it or pretend not to like it, but they are the exceptions. And we all know that a lot of skaters are assholes, so you're not too bothered. What does hurt, however, is how nobody seems to really get it. Not completely. They don't notice the specific kind of work you put into making the part. And this feels disappointing. Deflating, I imagine. Like a totally private, secret, and unshareable little death. I, I think everybody who's made something that they've really tried really hard at has felt this. Yeah. Which is you've tried unbelievably. Yep. Um, and, you've, and you've delivered on, on what you imagine, right? Um, yep. I... I the thing that I had done this with is no coping and, yeah. and, uh, and then you wonder, do you see what I did? Right. Like as I see the thing that I made from within me right. and like, even with Verso, I really don't know. Yeah. Like, because you and I being paid money and cr cred clout, right. <laughs> to write about this shit. <laughs> I like as a fan, I would have watched this part many times, but I yeah. wouldn't have watched it at 30. Right. And and so but I think it requires 30. Yeah. And so uh, I I wonder. Um, I think it's going to be taken very seriously. I, I think people will sort of understand the structure that's at play and they will understand because of what I called the elusive soundtrack, right? Yep. With Beirut repeating that he's having a conversation with his past epic part. Right. Will they like a madman in their basement connecting thread lines on conspiracy theory um, pin boards? Right. Will they devote the attention that the part deserves I don't, I don't know like that's what i was saying to him i don't know if we are able to sit and like let things enter our bloodstream as much anymore right okay so i mean i i, I think we tapped into something that's important here which is like this is an almost ubiquitous artist's lament right which is that i yes. i have the 
the way that you appreciate this will never be concomitant with the amount of work I put into it. There is no way, no matter how much you stand me, you're never going to actually appreciate how much sweat and, you know, anxiety and worry you put into the thing. So on one hand, that's common. Um, The other thing, though, that I think is important to note is what Mark learned from Cross Continental, right? Like, yeah, one. It sounds like it led to a kind of crisis of faith for him. Right. Should I continue skateboarding or should I pursue other talents I have where my audience will be more likely to appreciate and get the sort of work I put into it, which you know, on one hand, he's right. Like it, he is a talented writer. He, if you read his work, some of it's incredibly beautiful and he has a real knack, um, for d- descriptive kind of moments and capturing sort of the, the rhythms between people talking. He writes beautifully. Um, yeah. what he's totally wrong about though, is the idea that maybe, uh, it might actually be worse as a writer, right? That all of the work you put in as a writer, you expect people to understand, but they won't, they still won't. Like no one will ever get it. And maybe that's like sort of the ultimate sort of crisis of making any sort of art is that nobody will ever get it. So I'm glad he, I'm glad he stayed in skateboarding. And the other thing he seemed to have learned is that part of the responsibility of wanting your audience to get it comes down to a burden on you to give cues to the audience, like, here's what I'm up to. And I think one of the things Verso does very, very well, artist statement aside, right? Like all of that stuff aside, um, he is, he is sort of training you to watch it. Um, you know, the, the nose blunt with the, the flip out, the nollie flip out right at the beginning. And then later the front blunt and then the front blunt with the flip out, like you start, there are, there are pairs in here in the part that you sort of start noticing. Um, yeah. We, and then, you know, of course, when we get down to the final two minutes, it's the whole visual cue of those two arrows and the paint being dripped and then the paint being reversed off of there is a real yeah. sort of visual language to say to you like, hey, look, I'm going to do it one way and then we're going to undo it. And then also the New York section is kind of given some landscape clips and um, mm-hmm. that, that are really gorgeous mostly of the freedom tower and and to say like hey you you're still coming with me like Mm -hmm. here's here's a new place here's a new song and and really with the new york section is when he really starts repeating himself yep um, yep in a really um interesting way so i think um do you want to get into the part yeah do we have Um, do we have time to get in the part i'm happy to watch it i have 20 more minutes if you have 20 more minutes yeah i can do it let's do it let's let's hit play um all right so you've got it queued up and you're yeah so just a heads up kyle and i are going to do something kind of weird here we are going to watch the part synced up you can follow along with us kyle gives a little count in if you don't have the part in front of you this is just going to play like a very weird podcast experiment but bear with us as we go through the part play by play we're going to go one two three go okay okay one, two, three, go. You have a burning logo? <laughs> I got the burning thrasher. Oh, a magazine. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not just a website. Um, also, the starting with the Ben Ramers um, trick was really unexpected and uh, really, um, I think, um, important. Yeah, I think so, like, too. M- it makes, like... I don't know. Um, it it speaking of this connection, you know, it connects him to 
our world and yeah that he's lost something yeah that and you know the, just the language of um forever and keenan forever and how that sort of yeah. resonates i mean you know again the with the cross-country stuff so much of what he's doing is sort of like intertextual within the history of skateboarding right like yes i love this spot these this steep triangle the yeah, and also this part really displays his jacket collection uh-huh. in a really nice way. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, and you'll notice with him, it's always chest pockets, but never epaulets, which I think is a, I don't know epaulets. Epaulets are the shoulder, like the very military shoulder sort oh, of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Add-ons. Oh god, yeah, those. Yeah, I know. this surprised me. The the, fr- the the French of crook yeah. on the yeah, it seemed very um unsurprising like like or or not unsurprising it seemed like yeah you could do that right but he just he includes it because it seems like that's the kind of skating he does there's the kick nose right at south bank yeah and then here's the the triple kink front board quadruple kink oh you were gonna call that quad okay all right i'm with it yeah it kinks four times uh, I've, i counted the kinks do the do the handrail tricks surprise you in this ted or was or there is one very surprising line of a 5-0 down like a nine or a 10 yeah. and then a big ollie over the handrail yeah. i'm like dude that was such a good zero line yeah he also has so this one that gap to gap 5-0. to five out and that's in portland um that's huge that's a massive double set yes um i could also i could do without this stuff these like two th- two ledges one that's <laughs> happening a lot because that's bought in sf right? right right two ledges side by side where you bounce from one to the other yeah yes it's very of the moment but you know, it keeps him in the in the in the know. Mm-hmm. He also did a a, a five zero fakie in cross continental, like from a stair into a bank, and and kind of in his bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and there's so the only the only logo we see aside from he holds up his his habitat board habitat at one board, part, yeah. and of course his shoes are Adidas throughout. Um, he has an Atlas hoodie on, and it seems like it's the same Atlas yes. hoodie. It's the same gray Atlas hoodie, which is I think important. I mean, just to I, I made a joke about this where he stayed true to his Bay roots um, <laughs> because. oh fuck that's very good all right so but all right so he's doing the ollie now in madrid in that hoodie that ollie was unbelievable and by far the least cool he looks in the whole part right with his his sleeves are pushed up and he's just fucking big shoes pushing as hard as he can and there's something about also that's the most serious he looks like his face is like almost contorted in like effort I do. I am super interested in where this part fits sort of in the pantheon of cool. Um, because, you know, in some ways, as we said, he is like a very cool sort of urban bookish, you know, hip. Yes. I'm gonna, I'm not going to add the stir on the end, but he is like, you know, he's, he's yep. a bookish, attractive uh, fella. Yes. But it also, I think what's important about this video too is that like it doesn't have the Johnny Wilson, uh, Bill Strobeck face pull in ever. So it actually doesn't have the 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 nouveau cool. Like it doesn't have the kind of new style, mm-hmm. like the or the or the in style about it. Right. And and I think that's really important. Like there's it 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 also has like an air of what you would maybe call classic. Oh, you, you would. I think if in a design world, you would try to, you would market it as timeless, right? Like the serifed yes. fonts. Um, 
you know. Yes, that was a good point. Yeah. You know, all of that is sort of aiming for it's it's at once sort of nostalgic, right? For like 1970s book cover book jackets, um, but at the other hand, it's like it's certainly not Helvetica, and it's not you know if you pull up the primitive vid, it's just like straight. Like the yeah. words have no serifs, are very firm, very clean. There's a kind of uh, ornamental quality to it uh, that yeah. is not cool. I mean, there's nothing cool about it. Yeah, but uh, it does. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about like big timing cool. Like, all right, I, I cool is this, but we're gonna do this other thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, we're in New and York now. Sorry. Now speaking of we're, cool, we're yeah, <laughs> we're. So in New York, that's where we, I think we get the first profile uh, clip in the arcs, which I think is an important image for the piece. Um, the piece? The piece? Jesus Christ. But it's true though, like, you know, one of the things that I, um, I said to Justin Albert, I was like, man, you know, w one of the heroic things about this part is that it, st it stays within the sort of visual language of the workshop and habitat, right? With those yes. profile shots within the arch. Um, Yes. Without like pandering to it, right? Like without sort of, yes. you know. But they also flip it, which is an important narrative cue for for how to read the part. I agree with that. Right? Yeah. So it's it's him on the left, and then it flips to him on the right, and and so we see the introduction of that, or the first instance of it in this section. Yep. Good point. This um, is also New York is also the part where like this is so totally surprises me. Yeah, the quick Wally at the that bottom made of the an Bronx. Audible, oh. Yeah. Like this like, is you, this is where the surprises are, right? And that's the other thing he gets yes. into in Thrasher is that like what he wants to do is give people surprise. And of course, the only time you can yes. really be surprised is the first time you watch it. Um, yes. And so to make an object that is premised on surprise that you then want people to watch over and over again is a fucking hard uphill battle. Yes. And that's what's hard is that now it seems parts really do need to rely on novelty to have any sort of traction, any cultural weight. Yeah. Um, but novelty can often be exactly reduced to like a sort of first watch surprise and then it's it's done. Yeah. Um, but this part is, I can't stress it enough how rewatchable the part is. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I mean because of how good the skating is, but because of the, the edit and sort of What's at stake here? Here's a clip from Jazz. Oh, God bless who is him. The best. I, it was so funny. I, you know, I watched this so many times. I'm like, who is that guy? When did I meet him? And of course, yep. it was with you. You just met him right. two weeks ago, or th yeah, a month ago. Yeah, I, I, um, I, you're right though about um, your everything you're saying. I think I totally agree with, and and that's that's maybe one of the the most wild things about this. As we're both watching it and like sort of distractedly talking, is that we've seen this twenty some times, and I'm still sitting here just like staring at it, trying to figure yes. everything out, like trying to track, like that fucking floaty ollie off the two weirdly aligned columns. Like, wh yes. what is going on there? And this line, ha do you notice that he has two consecutive lines where he does the Hollywood shuffle? He breaks the Ricky Oyola rule? Yes. So he does it twice in a row on these two lines. Um, and I had a whole long paragraph about this that got cut from the Jankum thing. But also, in between those lines, like, you'll see he does front shove, back nose grind, revert. And this one he does back shove, front nose grind, revert. Yep, yep. Uh, when, when he does what they would call the Hollywood shuffle. Right. Which again, of course, for for everyone's reference, is a, a rule that started in Philly at Love Park, at the place where Mark spent a great deal of time. Um, so a lot of people, you know, 
the, max out sort of at the idea of mirror lines, right? Like up until this point, the kind of most deliberate sort of structure we've had for skateboarding has been about mirror lines to do a thing and then do yep. a thing switch um one of the things i think is going to be hard for people is that this isn't about this isn't quite as simple as mirroring this is actually like creating totally different shapes and different sort of ways of echo um and that's yeah pattern and rhythm are part of it right like yeah um that, also that nolly cab is fucking large it's fucking large but also the what he does with Blub is really interesting because he has the front board 270 earlier in the part and then and then ends the section with the full scale attack with the front blunt back lip flip and uh, the back nose blunt. Yeah. Why do you think I that think was? Do you think that was about only... daylight? Like cuz that that the front board 270 is at night. Like is this about a visual sort of coherent or cohesiveness? Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know if he was, like, using it as something to, like, lead into because it seems like as the part progresses through the New York segment, it just gets gnarlier and gnarlier and it just maybe wasn't... Yeah. It was, like, some type of foreshadow. I But I really... um I I haven't put a whole lot into it, maybe what it deserves. Um, yeah. Can we talk about uh, beginnings and enders? 50-50s? Yeah, man. I mean... I have I have a whole drawing here. Um, do you want me to? Yeah. Do you want, did you see that? Do you want me to send it to you? Yeah. No. 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 I've seen it. You. You. It. It. It's about uh, grind, spin, flip, balance. Yeah. Spin, flip, balance. and balance. Yes. Um, and I maintain that the the ninth trick of this fourteen trick sequence is actually missing a spin. Like I think it's it's an imperfect shape that he has given us. Um, I couldn't quite put the mirror shape exactly together in the sequence of tricks. Yeah. Um, because he turns one way fakey, but he doesn't. He doesn't. So he does nollie back 180 um, to switch 5 0, but he doesn't do fakey front 180 right. to back 5 0. Right. And so I was like, so if you I had a hard time when you break it down to just spinning, flipping, balancing, it also it like it pairs up more neatly. I mean, so one of the challenges here is like this question of what constitutes uh, the opposite or the reflection, right? Like if you even just say yeah. a front side 180 ollie, like okay, what's its opposite? Is backside, but is it a nollie backside is... 180? Right? Like what is the opposite? Yeah. Like how much do you reverse? Just the spin? Just the flip? Or is it switch 180? Right. Yeah. Right. There's so there's there's some liberties he took with that, I think. But yeah. you know, again, I think ideally what it does is it draws attention to the fact that you can, if you are so inclined and a fucking maestro at skateboarding, you can put together a visual object that creates rhythms and shapes and echoes and connections to both itself and the history of skateboarding um, that that ends up being more than just the sum of its parts. And I think I think that's right. I think that's I think we did it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Nice work, Ted. <laughs> I'm happy for you, man. You wrote a fucking good thing. I'm, it's obvious that you put a lot of fucking time into that, and it's yeah. sick. Um, yeah, that... Okay, before we cut, I have to tell you. Okay. I was reading it, and I, I'm emotional at night, you know? I don't know if people do this. Um, but much as when I watched the part when I was reading your piece last night, I was just like... Oh my goodness. Like 
this is the when when I imagine the thing that I had the feeling that I often get when I read the Chaz piece, when I read the Reynolds piece, that this is the reading that I had always hoped that somebody was doing that nobody was doing. And I was just like infinitely humbled that you share the microphone and the sort of written space with me as silly as mine will be sometimes. Um, it's like legitimately, um, it's, uh, it's something that is as far as skateboarding is necessary to me, it's necessary to my skateboarding. Man, so thank I, you. I really appreciate that, Ted. Um, I I'm just super fucking super fucking grateful that we've continued to have these conversations. It's dope as hell. Yeah.